to the pink aisle. Yes. Yes. As always, my name is Henry Kathman, and joining me is Emma Corey. As always, I'm Henry Kathman, and joining us today what? is Emma Corey. See, what are we doing do- here right doing, now? I was doing a bit. See, I was- yeah. What, what was the what was the goal of this bit? I don't know. Maybe some people would find it amusing. All right. Anywho, uh, so today, everyone, one and all, we are doing another one of the Tinkerbell movies, which is very exciting. We are going to be delving in to Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure. We've already spoken a fair bit about the Tinkerbell movies and like their whole deal. Uh, I don't think we need to really dwell too much on the Disney Fairies brand and some of the stuff that was brought up. Uh, that said, if you do want to know more about that sort of stuff, feel free to, I don't know, check the last episode. But in the time that we've had since recording this last episode, there has been some interesting developments in the in just the general world of the Disney fairies. Um, specifically with probably one of the most um, underappreciated elements to the uh, Disney fairies canon that we kind of failed to mention. Uh, and that was... In addition to the dolls, the old play sets, and all that stuff, the Disney Fairies franchise had an MMO. I think we might have mentioned it in the previous We episode. mentioned it a little bit about how the Pixie Hollow and how it was, like, decently popular. Neither... Wait, you didn't play it, right? I did, though I never got far in it. I would always, like, just make a new account... <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I, like I said, uh, I was always more of a Pop Tropica Club Penguin type of kid, so that yeah, was. I definitely played a weird. lot of Pop Tropica in elementary school. Heck yeah! What was yeah, your favorite, someone with your favorite taste. island? Uh, the superhero island. The uh, that one carrot themed island. Yes, I love the carrot one. I love the kind of like. Like dark kinda ones, dark, yeah, kind of like dark atmosphere that one had. I yeah, know. and I liked the, I liked really the spy one as well. Oh yeah, I liked the time travel one. I thought it was really fun. Oh yeah, that one was like a cool bit of like edutainment. Yeah. Yeah, and the, so um, yeah. There was a lot of cool stuff. Anyway, so we talked a little bit about how the Pixie Hollow MMO was like kind of dead in the water similar to Disney's other like uh RPG efforts uh but in the time since we've recorded there is a basically a slight revival to the Pixie Hollow games where a group of fans did set about to revive the Pixie Hollow uh MMO with a little project called We the Pixies. It's currently in its alpha stages right now, and uh, you can join their Discord server. Want to look around and see like some of the stuff that's going on here? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, but anyway, today we are talking about uh, 
Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure, the second film in the Tinkerbell film series, and one that I feel a lot of people like kind of overlook or don't like as much, which Interesting. I think it might have to do with the fact that like Tinkerbell's friends aren't really very involved in this one. It's Yeah. This one is sort of like the- an oddball in the series cuz it's mainly like about well, it's it's like a quest movie. It's got like a fairytopia type setup where like oh, Tinkerbell's right. gotta go and like find a thing. But it's also yeah. has a, like the big relationship this one is focused on is between Tinkerbell and Terrence, the Jesse yep. McCarthy character. And uh, Yeah, and uh Hmm. I don't yeah, I don't know what that's gonna look like because this, as a story, uh, is one that I don't know. I I I kind of I like both the characterizations of Tinkerbell and Terrence. I think like both Way May Whitman and Jesse McCarthy did like good job with vocal performances. I in the vaguest of vague memories that I have about this series of movies, I just remember them bickering and having like a whole like. Oh, they're first angry, but now they make up type of dealy, and it just being a little yeah, like because like Tinkerbell and Terrence are kind of in a weird place where it's like he's kind of a love interest, but like because it's it's like Tinkerbell, they never really like you know uh, go go into it. They don't want to rem- like add that like, romantic it never, like, element. Actually, like becomes like romantically coded so much yes so it's more kind of like it's sort of a movie about like having a bad fight with your friend essentially and Mm -hmm. it's essentially one of those like i've actually i feel like of all the tinkerbell movies this is the one i feel like i've seen the most because it i feel like it would like play on tv a lot like on the yeah but it really is just sort of like one of those sort of escalation plot type films we'll just see as we mm. get into it and also it's an autumn a, an autumn film it takes place in autumn yeah. so that's pretty interesting i think it that has some be... really good like visual stuff in this film you know yeah yeah i i am very much anticipating seeing what's going to happen with that uh so but before we do that uh a couple of other quick things things to get to uh so a lot of the crew for this has remained the same including the involvement of a certain uh producer hmm uh but uh the voice actresses have remained more or less the same but interestingly enough the director and screenwriter for this movie mainly are known for this uh so as the director of this movie uh we have clay hall coming in this is his only uh, director's credit. He would later become the director for Planes, uh, but he has had a a hand in the animation department for a lot of other different stories, including uh, he was like an animation timer and layout artist and director for The Simpsons back in like 1995 and 1998. So like, that's so pretty good. Good era. Yeah. Yeah, and he did uh, seven episodes of King of the Hill uh, as the supervising director. And, yeah, uh, like, and would apparently uh, (laughs) work on that one series 
Father of the Pride. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that one DreamWorks series that Jeffrey Katzenberg desperately tried to make a thing in 2004, and it just never happened. Oh, God. Early and then 2000s he was like, TV CGI just has such a cursed quality to it. Oh, yeah, especially because there was, like, one episode where Donkey from Shrek showed up. <laughs> Not voiced by any Murphy. Does anyone yeah. else remember the Penguins of Madagascar TV show that was on? I like... do. I do. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was That one was kind interesting. of wild from what I remember. Oh, yes, it was. And then uh, they made the King Julian show on Netflix, which I also heard was really wild as well. Oh, yeah. That, that And now they're doing a Hulu series about the Madagascar group as kids. God. Yeah. Why are companies trying to revive, like, the Muppet-Daisy Baby Yoda. Cri Baby Yoda. Oh, God, you're right. It's Baby Yoda. That's why every, every company is trying to do property but babies why <sighs> I, I don't know it worked for baby nut <laughs> god damn it baby nut yeah all right uh one last uh quick thing uh also, the only other before we mention oh. uh for voice actors there is sort of one kind of exception where fawn's voice actress is no longer america ferreira from this oh that's on. true Oh, Fawn is voiced by Angela uh, Bartis, experienced dish voice actress. She would go on to voice uh, like Fawn in the rest of these movies, but also ended up voicing Astrid in a bunch of the uh, like periphery stuff for oh, How to Train oh, Your Dragon. Yeah, there was all those like How to Train Your Dragon shows too. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think the that's neat. Yeah, but this is literally like her main, like her main thing. Like aside from some stuff with Astrid and How to Train Your Dragons, her main thing as an actress is Fawn. Yeah, until and then like the very last movie in the Tinkerbell franchise was a Fawn-centric movie, and they replaced her with Jennifer Goodwin in that film. Oof. 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 That's that's not that's rough. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, that, like Legend of the Never Beast, the last Tinkerbell film that came out, is such like an oddball compared to all the other films. Like, I think we'll. Have I'll a be lot very to talk interested in seeing what see that, that looks like. Yeah, it's yeah. a really like kind of different note to end the series on, and it makes you kind of be like, man, it kind of sucks they stopped making these movies because I kind of would have liked to see how they would have like gone from there yeah yeah that's fair and then the only other major thing to mention is that the uh the screenwriter for this movie was a one evan uh apologies if i may mispronounce this uh spiliotopoulos yeah uh who emma you can thank for being responsible to for essentially uh, writing all the biggest hits for the direct-to-DVD Disney era, including The Jungle Book 2, Lion King 1 and a half, 
Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. Those are classics, the best. though. <laughs> then he also wrote Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, The Three Musketeers movie, which I actually found very, very funny. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before, but... I've only That's... seen trailers for it, but, I mean, it looked kind of good from what I've seen from it. But... It actually... Yeah, you know, I honestly, though, I think the... The more recent Mickey revival stuff that they've been doing has been a lot better, but like credit to it, it actually did like kind of take the, the trio back to their sort of more cartoony roots and not make them just like a, a theme park mascot. And then finally, uh, he was also responsible for more modern classics as he seemed to want to back away from the low, the lowly light of a animated movies in order to do esteemed works like the Dwayne the Rock Johnson Hercules movie, Charlie's Angels, The Huntsman, Winter's War, and the upcoming movie Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, and finally, the one that I know you'll love the most, Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 remake. Yeah, it kind of tracks that those were all, like, had writing credits from the same person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, also, he's going to be, he's announced as the screenwriter for Bright 2 alongside David Ayer and T.S. Yeah. Bright 2? Bright 2. Bright 2, baby. Oh, God. That, yeah. That movie, sure. Why did we ever allow Max Landis to have a career? Hmm. An excellent question. Why did we let John Landis have a career, for that matter, is also an excellent question. Yeah. You think it would have ended I- after he, like, killed all those people that one time? But Yeah, so. you would think. Mm-hmm. You would think. But until then, uh... I think it's time that we journey off through the autumn leaves in order to join Tinkerbell and her quest for the lost treasure. Fly into the online world of Pixie Hollow. Create your own fairy. Explore the meadows and make friends. Play tons of games like Crazy Cakes and First Flight. Shop for the latest fashions and show off your style. Then complete your look with a visit to the hair salon. Celebrate with a pixie party and invite all of your friends. Spread your wings and fly into Pixie Hollow today. Hey, welcome back. This is the Pink Isle, everyone. It's so great to have you back after viewing this mostly just kind of okay film that we watched. Yeah, and mostly okay does summarize a bit of it because, uh, yeah, I gotta be honest. Um, I don't think it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, it's got some fun, like, set pieces. Just like the last movie, the visuals look very good. But, like, yeah, I don't know, Emma. I found a lot of, like, the character stuff underwhelming compared to last time with the first movie. Because... With the first Tinkerbell movie, you got such a good taste of, like, every character's personality. But 
by focusing so much of this movie on the friendship between Tinkerbell and Terrence, it, I don't know. It, yeah, because that was, well, that was the thing I was thinking about because I was like, man, they have like such a big emphasis on like how good friends they are in this movie. And then like after this movie, like Terrence like barely like appears in the rest of the series. And I think oh, this, yeah. I think this movie kind of shows why that Terrence is just kind of like, a boring character compared to like all the other friends Tinkerbell has. You know? Yeah. Like, cause, definitely. Because we don't really get a lot of like the other, her, her other fairy friends in this movie. Like, I mean, they're there, but they're just kind of like there, like in very small parts in some scenes. Like, yeah, they Silver don't get Mist, as much of a active role. Yeah. Silver Mist, my water queen, it does get, uh, a good scene in about the middle of the film talking with Terrence. Yeah, yeah. They do use Lucy Liu well, but aside from that, you know, because I feel like the thing that makes it, like, especially, like, jarring is that, like, they got all this A-list voice talent. Like, you got... Like, Raven Simone, you got Christian Chenoweth, Angela Bartis, like, Angelica Houston, like... And you got these like A class stars, and you just you don't use them as much, and it's like I don't know. It's all Although, it's all Jesse McCartney all the time here. Yeah, definitely. But it you know at least like well, I mean, yeah, Jesse Kristen Chenoweth, she got that easy check, so I guess that's a. You know, that's a consolation, I guess. Yeah. Anything to make up for the fact that Pushing Daisies got canceled early. Rest in peace. It's okay. Anyway, so this movie, uh, last movie was talking about, like, the transition between, like, uh, winter to spring. And now we've, like, skipped to fall, which is an interesting thing. And I like, do gotta say, it, like... The, the 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 opening scene in this movie i think is really cool and fun because you, oh, you got yeah. this like kind of fun celtic song going on and you're seeing like all like the nature fairies bringing mm -hmm. uh autumn to the mainland and they're actually uh transforming the seasons to more than just one park this time so yeah they, they've upped their workload and you know it's <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it's I, not too relevant to the plot, but it does sort of introduce the fact that, you know, this is going to be a movie about uh, the fall times and what goes on during the fall times and what can go horribly wrong during the fall times, you know? Oh, yeah. Which is interesting because autumn generally is like, autumn is symbolic of a time of change and, uh, you know, a time of transition, which... I guess is a property with all of these fairy movies because they all deal with, like, the fairies helping the transition of the seasons, which, I don't know. I guess it would be a little bit weird to, like, see more of that sort of thematic stuff pop up on these. But I feel like, at least, like, this movie is... does mark a little bit of a change in how, like, I don't know... uh how at least Tinkerbell kind of interacts with other people, because now that she's more established here, we, c we can focus more on, like, 
you know, some of her chemistry and stuff like that. But, but yeah, so there's a transition between the, uh, there's a transition between the summer and the fall. And something I especially like about this opening too, is that they demonstrate how Tinkerbell's gadgets have been put to good use in order to like, you know, properly make the process go by a little easier yeah tinkerbell really did like single-handedly bring the industrial revolution to pixie hollow like yes although the fact that most of it is like magically supplemented and there's nary a coal mine in sight that makes it a little bit better but yeah that is a little interesting to see how do do the fairies have uh have labor unions in pixie hollow can you get like fired from your your fairy job in this universe? You know, that is something that we don't exactly see explored because generally like I mean Pixie Hollow is operated under a system where like people like do like some, you know, required task for the world, like you know, everyone's labor is like something that is necessary on some level and they do it because it's something that they're passionate about like yeah and i mean like but then again at the same time it it doesn't seem like money exists in pixie hollow like it's more like a commune type setting although they do have a monarch so it's like yeah the fact that there's like a monarch and like the different uh you know ministers of each season that and as well as like fairy mary and like these other like manager i don't know it, it it's interesting i guess those of you know maybe any of the fairies who start becoming layabouts get like locked into a room with like a phonograph that says i don't believe in fairies causing them to oh god <laughs> like a torture technique like yeah <laughs> i don't know but anyway uh in order to uh, transition the fall like the transition is marked by the presentation of the mystical moonstone which is the thing that causes the blue harvest moon to create the pixie dust that basically sustains this whole society they use the blue moon to create a blue crystal meth pixie dust and as we know according to breaking bad if uh something is blue it's automatically better and so uh this is this is the kind of dust that lets them uh like it says like revitalize the tree like the tree would stop like making pixie dust if it didn't get this like blue dust kick like Every oh my god! Every like uh, <laughs> every four years every four, or however many yeah, years. Yeah, so you know, just really, really uh, leaning into like uh, what people think pixie dust is, huh? Okay, so I guess, I guess, <laughs> but you know, in order to actually do that, they have to use a special scepter, and I like how this uh, the. Like, it starts with uh, Tinkerbell, still voiced by the lovely Mae Whitman, being called to Fairy Mary and to the Minister of Autumn. And she's initially comes in being like, hey, listen, whatever you heard about, like, this shenanigan, nah, that that wasn't me. It's fine. 
But I do like that even though Tinkerbell is like, you know, she's established in the society and she's like friends she's all- with everyone, she's also like still kind of a disaster. Yeah, like we I accidentally skipped over how the movie starts with her trying to make a thing called the Pixie Express, like this little paddle boat thing to help transport stuff uh in the water which ends up crashing into rocks and stuff. Yeah, the, that's like also that. the scene where we get uh stuff between her and Terrence where uh yeah, we get to establish that they're good friends because they keep on saying like, "Hey, you're my good friend. We sure are great friends, aren't we?" Yeah. Yeah. Very totally not clumsy expedition. It's like Terrence, you had like one scene in the last movie, okay? I also like how when uh Terrence starts to visit uh Tinkerbell, he, he's like delivering like uh his pixie dust shipment and his co-workers at the pixie dust mill including fairy gary which we will get to fairy gary the listener don't worry like just start like you know ribbing on him being like ew going to visit tinkerbell aren't you terrence and they're like he's like oh i'm just delivering some stuff and they're like oh Oh, stuff. delivering stuff. Yeah, t- yeah. Terrence is like that, that, that one, those one comics everyone likes where he's like, I'm doing stuff. And Tinkerbell's like, <laughs> I'm stuff. And then he's like, oh, no. no. <laughs> God, I, hate those, oh, God. I hate those so much. <laughs> I'm like, why did you evoke that then? <laughs> I don't know, because I just had to bring it up because... Everyone has to share my pain, okay? The internet guess, has robbed yeah, my I mean, brain beyond comprehension. I mean, I, I, I won't, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, you aren't the only person to uh, interpret this relationship in a, in a more physical manner. Oh, God. Just, just don't. I've seen some stuff, Internet. Just be wary when you're looking at fan art for this fandom, okay? Is all we're saying. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The but, whole Terrence and Tinkerbell thing. He's like, in some sense, he's kind of like a love interest character towards Tinkerbell, kinda, but like they never actually like go there. So it's like. No, no. I. It's one of those weird things where like, I feel like because Tinkerbell is like quote single in like the peter pan films and this is like prequels to that like there's this expectation of like oh we they gotta keep it like gotta keep it chaste but like but like in the yeah. film she was totally in love with like a preteen boy an eternal preteen boy like obsessed with him it was like her whole yeah. thing so Tinkerbell's, Tinkerbell's got some issues, is all I'm saying. Well, uh, let's be honest. The 53 movie did not do Tinkerbell's fav- any favors. Like, this characterization is a lot better. Yeah, maybe they like, maybe we need to, like, not have Tinkerbell be attracted to anyone in these films. Maybe we just yeah. gotta play it safe that way. <laughs> Perhaps. But, I mean, you say that, but I, I, I have my own thoughts about uh like let's let's we can probably agree on this like tinkerbell's definitely bi right oh yeah of course yeah and not just because she's voiced by may whitman but like yeah 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 she she's got that 
She's got those vibes. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick a person to ship Tink with, who would it be? Oh, uh, you know, I love some enemies to friends to lovers. So, you know, once she uh. becomes... Once we get the, the video redemption arc next movie, you know, <laughs> we'll all be good. Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. Anywho, let's moving on into the actual plot of this movie instead of our fanfics. Uh, <laughs> Tinkerbell is being called to the Minister of Autumn, Fairy Mary, and Queen Clarin because she is being tasked to bring forth a scepter that will cause the Moonstone to be able to properly make the blue pixie dust. And, you know, she's being conscripted to, like, build it, and, and she asked Terrence for some help for that. Yeah, and of, and of course, they make sure to establish that the moonstone she has to use in the scepter is one of a kind and very breakable, yep. despite being a gem. Yep. So. Yeah, and, and, and it's just, like, and they tell people to be, like, very, very careful with it, and, and it, the thing I wonder is, like, this is what, like, the 14th one of these ceremonies, like, however many ceremonies they've had. And it, you would think that after this amount of time, they could just, like, make a replica. Or just, like, give like, her the dimensions of the stone. Like, why why does she have to take the stone with her to her house? Like, yeah. this seems like a disaster waiting to to happen just on principle. And it's like, you know... It's not even like kept in a super secure position. Like it's in a, like a, like a container. It's in like a little cute locket container. But it's like you know. Buy now at your Disney store. But it's like this is apparently this is extremely priceless artifact that's like yeah. she just she's just allowed to take into your home. It's like if uh, it's like a if you went to like the 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 united states like archives and they just like gave you the mm-hmm. declaration of independence to study and they just like let you take it to your house like yes, and you just kept exactly. it in your cupboard like you just <laughs> you mean and well how else am i gonna put lemon juice on the back to reveal the treasure map <laughs> that movie would have been anyway been done so much quicker they were just like yeah you can just loan out the declaration of independence and study it in your own home like God, yeah, but even putting that aside, I, I, I also like to think that like all of the other fairies that were tasked with this are like two percent the disaster that Tinkerbell generally is. I, know. I mean, well, Fairy Mary, she really brought this upon herself because she knows what Tinkerbell is like, and she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she, I, I'm, I'm surprised that Fairy Mary approved this. Like, like, at least the giving the moonstone cause like, in the initial Yeah, because, like, Tinkerbell has been alive for, what, like, a few months a at year. this time? Yeah. So it's like, you know, was there no, no Tinker Fairy that was maybe a bit more mature and responsible with this kind of stuff? I mean, I think she's, like, probably the best choice considering how much she's, like, changed Pixie Hollow with, like, her technology and stuff like that. But, you know, still. That is true. Anyway, we're getting into whole plot hole territory, and that's not the more important I thing. I know. We gotta, but... like, we gotta have an electric shock every time we start getting into, like, Cinema Sins territory. Like, just, like. That's true. Like, yes. the dean goes yeah. off in our head and we just get, like, a little shock, you know? Yeah, I I feel like anyone who hosts a film podcast would do well to be able to, like, go through that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Tinkerbell is working on it, and she conscripts Terrence to have some help. And, uh, yeah, it's from here where, like, 
I'm going to have a, my hot take for this movie. Like, uh, it's true that Tinkerbell is a little bit of a disaster, but I got to say, she did way less wrong in this movie than one might expect. Like, because at least when Terrence is starting to help with her, like, he ends up proving a bit overbearing. And, like, I believe, Emma, while we were watching this, you kind of told me... Like, you said he gave a sort of mansplainy vibe. Well, yeah, okay, so, like, so the whole conflict of this movie really gets into gear when, like, Tinkerbell has Terrence help her making the scepter, but as, like, she's doing it, like, you know, she's trying to concentrate on her stuff, and Terrence is being, like, way overbearing. He's, like, when she's trying mm-hmm. to, like, uh, make the step, he's, like, you all gotta make sure, you gotta get the dimensions exactly right, Tinkerbell. And she's, like, yeah, I know. Like, it just gives us such a feeling of, like, you know, just being, like, being a, this movie really shows what it's like being a woman in STEM, you know? <laughs> yeah, being, like, or heck, being a woman in any, in any field of being an expert. I know. It's, where it's, like. There's always some guy yeah. that's got to come around and think he's, like, doing you a favor by explaining to you stuff you already know. Yeah. Speaking as someone who's been guilty of that in the past, it's, uh, it, it definitely makes me feel a little bit more harsh to Terrence because of that. Maybe somewhat unfairly, but at the same time, yeah, he keeps on, like, interrupting the work and even at certain points, like, nearly breaking, like, the moonstone and trying to help her out. And, you know, this eventually reaches a boiling point where she keep she tries to tell him to like, hey, go find this other thing for me. It might take a while. And then so he happily leaves the house for a little bit. And then what causes him to come back? Well, uh, she tells well, she's getting like really annoyed with his constant presence. So she tells him to go get a sharp thing. And he ends up talking to uh, gay icons Clank and Bobble, who are, like, doing some shenanigans. uh, Yeah. Preparing for Also not enough of them in this movie. Yeah, not enough Clank and Bobble. They're always delightful when they're on screen. And they're doing some kind of, like, shenanigans where they're trying to, like, make, like, a fireworks machine or something. Like, a fireworks launcher for, like, the blue moon harvest celebration thing. Which is pretty much all, like, the what the other characters are doing like in this movie while the plot is happening they're just like preparing for this celebration so but uh yeah yeah they're it's great when they're on screen but uh they essentially tell him uh, give him the idea to go look for like lost things and terrence finds a compass and he's thinking like oh the compass the arms of the compass would be good for the sharp thing that tinkerbell wants but of course, when he gets back, there's a big whole misunderstanding because Tinkerbell just sees the compass and says that it's a round thing. And she's like, Terrence, you stupid idiot. Why do I keep you around? <laughs> Though she doesn't say that, but she she means it. And she says it in her head. And yeah. And, and this causes, uh, yeah, this causes him to be like, fine. Last time I try to help you out, and it's just like, mm, well, Tinkerbell like cool. goes off on him because like she when she's like kind of telling him 
in a more like nice way to go away she like pushes away the compass and it ends up uh knocking the scepter over and destroying it and she essentially explodes at him over this and this is what kind of causes the rift in their friendship and yeah the thing about this this whole argument and the conflict they have i do think it does like sort of sort of give a good like lesson to like kids or anyone else who finds themselves in these kind of conflicts because like there are always the those times where like you're around someone and you like you care about them they're your friend but also like they're doing things to annoy you and you don't know how to like articulate that properly communicate without like coming off as an asshole and this movie is like hey you know if someone is doing something that's bothering you you should just be honest with them and like tell them and be able to communicate that and tell them, them that which, they're upsetting you because if not you're just gonna let that resentment build and then it's just gonna come all boiling over and then you'll both be mad at each other so. that, and that's partially why why i give like terrence a little bit of slack there because it's you do get the impression that if like tinkerbell was a little bit more open and honest about it beforehand this problem he he seems like enough of a understanding person where like if you told him like hey buddy can you give me some space he probably wouldn't be enough of a dick to you know like get angry about get mad it, at that or like yeah 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 but but this is their big fight but after he leaves uh the compass which was laying on the ground suddenly opens up again Right where Tinkerbell had placed the moonstone, destroying it. Which, there's like a comedic, there's almost a comedic timing to it, where like, she played, like, the moonstone, it looks like it's going to, like, fall around, and it looks like it's going to crack, but she ends up catching it, and there's just like this silence as, like, Tinkerbell still angry, but pensively putting it on the pillow, and then she angrily kicks open the kicks the compass, and there's that delay, and it suddenly just like, whoosh, just br- slams open, shattering the moonstone, and it's just like, like not gonna lie, listener, I gasped yeah. when I saw that. Like the whole moonstone breaking yeah. is just such an anxiety-inducing situation, because like Tinkerbell, like she does not tell anyone that this is happening. Like she. Which, like, I could understand because, like, you know, you don't want to be, like, the person who's responsible for, like, causing the pixie dust drought for the next four years, you know? It's like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It... Like, Lord knows, she probably has enough residual anxiety from, like, the last time she nearly screwed over the transition of a season. Yeah, Tinkerbell is definitely one of those, like, a uh, kids movie protagonist that, like... They always end up, like, solving the problem, but a lot of times the problem was caused by them in the beginning, so... Yeah. It's kind of a vicious cycle, but she tries to, like, put together the Moonstone, but it just, like, doesn't work. And while she's uh, hanging out in there, um, uh, Clink and Bob will come by and invite her to go to this, like, fairy theater thing. Yeah. Yeah, which... Honestly, this leads to, like, the best sequence in the movie, IMO. Oh, yeah. This this is the one that, like, stuck out to me the most as a kid when I watched it, because Tinkerbell goes to this fairy theater knowing Fairy Mary is there to think, to try to, like, slyly ask her if they're 
happens to be a second moonstone, which of course there is not. But it's lucky that she came here because it's from here where she gets gets to watch this uh, exposition song, which is led by this like theater fairy that's voiced by voiced by Gray Del- uh, Delisle, like. Mm. Who is also the narrator? We got Azula here, so it's really nice to see her. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's always good to see her. Yeah, she's one of those voice actresses where it's like even when she voices someone like nice and stuff, like she has enough of a distinct voice where it's still kind of ominous, you know, like a little bit. Yeah. Well, I know she also ends up going on to voice uh, Gliss in one of the future. Uh, Tinkerbell movies, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to that movie. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but this scene is nice because it's nice because it gives us like Tinkerbell finding out about this like uh, this fairy mirror that granted three wishes that some pirates went mm-hmm. after, but then like their ship sank before they could use the final wish. So now this sunken this like wrecked pirate ship is out there and it it, it contains this mirror that can grant a wish and we get shown like both about the mirror and instructions on how to get there through this uh, song so this movie has now become a find the MacGuffin plot which is always fun these fantasy adventure type films but like like at least in the telling of like this legend, there's like this beautiful music, and I should say Joel McNeely's score, mm, mm, very good stuff, still real good. But uh, I believe, uh, what was this song called again? Uh, Where the sunbeams play. Was that was that the name of the song? The the exposition song, or yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 sorry. I'm looking it up. It's called Fairy Tale Theater, which, huh, not listed on the actual soundtrack. That seems like a bit of an oversight, Disney, but okay. What a shame. But yeah, it's definitely a much yeah. more exciting uh, way to introduce this plot than just like Tinkerbell seeing it in a book or like finding it yeah. out some other way. But especially with like a lot of the good vocal performances there too. And like the way that the like pixie dust gets manipulated to like show off like these different set pieces, it's like. And also yeah, they, the, they nice. have like a little, uh like a bug orchestra. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a little God. cute bug orchestra. Uh, this movie just has, so, these movies just have so many like fun, cute little details in them. That I like a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, that's something that's really good about. Uh, I feel like that's the case with like, any movie about tiny yeah tiny uh, creatures tiny like people. all those like mouse movies or like the borrowers and stuff like that it's just always so much fun just seeing like uh uh you know character small characters interacting with like a big world you know yeah which was yeah. what was really missing in the matt damon film downsizing all i'm saying <sighs> that movie was very disappointing <laughs> Yeah, not to mention this movie has fewer white savior complex plots, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's a whole other situation. God, you 
you reminded me that downsizing exists. Oh, I wish Oof. I could forget. Mm, God. God. Yeah. Downsizing was one of those movies where, like, you watched it and you can just tell that, like, the writer or whatever of the film has, like, issues with women. <laughs> like, Yeah. I, I, mm. Mm, I don't. There, there's a lot about downsizing. I know. God. We probably shouldn't get on the downsizing train. We're talking about Tinkerbell. Let's go back. Yeah, some other time. Some, some other, time. other time. Yeah, but uh, but this causes uh Tinkerbell to decide to set off in order to find this special mirror so that she can wish the moonstone back. And and we uh, she ends up constructing like this hot air balloon because. She isn't going to ask for more pixie dust. Well, she like, actually, she ends up well, asking yeah, yeah. Uh, Terrence. Terrence for pixie dust. Because, like, well, Terrence, although he was, like, mad at Tinkerbell afterwards, he was a bit, he was open to, like, forgiving her because he had, like, a conversation right after with, Sil with Silvermist who essentially told him, you know, just give Tinkerbell time and she'll, like, uh, She'll cool she'll, off. She'll like fizzle out. Yeah. But like unbeknownst yeah. to him, Tinkerbell has ended up in this incredibly stressful situation and she isn't really thinking about like what happened between her and Terrence that much. So when mm -hmm. she comes to uh, ask him for more pixie dust, like he's pretty hurt by this because he thought like she was maybe going to like apologize for what happened. But like he doesn't even know that she has this whole other big thing on her mind. So... It still kind of like gets into like sort of miscommunication. That was a pr that was a pretty good scene. I especially something I liked about that whole silver mist scene too is that it gave like it gives a little bit of context of where people are at with their relationships with Tinkerbell. Like Tinkerbell's enough of an established person here where you know like people are able to acknowledge like oh yeah this is just like the way Tinkerbell is sometimes and it isn't necessarily like a bad thing but you know something that. Like any good friend, something that people would want to account for. Yeah. Like, they know that, yeah. like, in the end of the day, Tinkerbell means well and that she's not, like, a mean person or anything. She's just flawed, you know? Which, you know, that's good. That's some good character stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Tinkerbell, at this point in the story, is way more focused on her journey. But she constructs this, like, hot air balloon with, like, cotton as the balloon covered in pixie yes. dust in order to like yes. help her fly which is really cute and we oh, also yeah. get a costume change she gets like her adventure outfit which is like she's got leggings and she's yes. got this like peter pan inspired hat which is really nice i love yeah i love the whole outfit they changed and something that I also especially liked is that the production designer specifically talked about how when they were making this movie, they wanted to change up Tinkerbell's outfit in order to account for the changing of the seasons. Like they specifically said how like, yeah, it's going to start getting cold out. It would be unreasonable to expect her to still be in that whole Marilyn Monroe short skirt thing she always rocks yeah. in the other movies. And a lot of the other uh, fairies also get like autumn outfits. Which is nice. Yeah, like I especially love Rosetta's little outfit I, with I the just... like little poncho thing and uh, uh oh oh god, I I just want to call them by their voice actors. Who did Raven Simone voice again? Uh, Iridessa. 
Iridessa, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I I just, I really appreciate oh, yeah. that. The outfits are real fun. I love like, you, we'll get to see this when we get to the winter movie, but I love it when like characters get like cold weather outfit variations. That's my yeah. favorite thing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, as a result, uh, Tinkerbell, like, she writes down this special ancient chat chant to first travel north past Neverland to a faraway island and to find an arch of stone and then an old troll bridge and then they'll find a ship that never sank. And But the joke which, is during the exposition when they said troll bridge, she thought they said toll bridge. And yes, Fawn, yeah. who's there, makes a comment like, I don't know how much it cost, which implies that money does exist in this universe. <laughs> so, oh, man, we're through the looking glass, so people. That's what is right. It? Is there money? Do you have to pay for things in Pixie Hollow or not? There's no what is it, Queen Clarion? You giving your tinkerers a fair wage? Yeah. Do we have to start dishing? Does Tinkerbell have to start constructing guillotines? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, uh, so guillotines, but like the the blade is like a razor from like a like a shaving tool, like that she found on the beach. <laughs> 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 Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> she she like sees the razor in the sand and she's like, hmm, I have an this, idea. And you hear that and you hear this like very mystical montage music just like the last one where you hear the lovely little Celtic music overlaying like the construction of a guillotine <laughs> with her like making a little dummy of Queen Clarion and to test it out. <laughs> God. <laughs> and, and, oh God. Uh, anyway. Tinkerbell goes on her journey. And of course, because yeah. this is a movie about a fairy girl going on a quest, she has to have some kind of little nonverbal, slightly annoying flying sidekick. So we get introduced to Blaze the lightning bug. Or Firefly. Well, I don't know. Dipping. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say that. Oh, no. so yeah. So did you find Blaze annoying in this movie? Well, not really that annoying. But I don't know. He just, for me, it's his design that kind of bugs me. I just really dislike bug designs where they have like teeth. human faces and teeth. Like, I don't know. I feel like he would be much cuter if he just had like little little mandibles, you know? Like I don't yeah, like you know it's possible I don't need him to, to have a, like a squishy person face, you know. Yeah, that's true because he has like that whole little like, uh, like he has this sort of round face with like a weird nose mouth. Type looking thing. like I'm Thomas the Tank like, Engine over here on a bug. You, that's yeah. He I was thinking like he re greatly resembles like, uh, he's got like a Bug's Life look, which. Or alternatively, yeah. ants, depending on uh, which side of the argument well, you ants, fall on. Eh, well, yeah. hmm. I was about to say uh, ants has more sex pest in it, but then again, Kevin Spacey is in Bug's Life, so. Yeah, but at least he's not the main character yeah. in that one, so. That's true, that's true. Anyway, uh, Blaze 
is being chased by like this was it a bat yeah i think so yeah and yeah uh initially tinkerbell is telling him to like go away but oh no blaze is separated from the other fireflies and he looks all sad and this is enough so that she decides like all right, fine. And she also finds out that his uh, light is able to help light her map. So it's like the Rudolph conundrum, you know? Like, yeah, hey, I, f- there I you found go. that. As you- long as you're, as long as your as differences as can useful. be useful, then you're good. You know. <laughs> after Blaze joins yeah. on this little quest, the first little bit of trouble occurs after Blaze eats all of Tinkerbell's food, which makes it a little bit more difficult. But then suddenly uh, a, a random storm happens causing her to become separated from the uh, airship. And we get a whole scene where I think it's trying to lean into how like Tinkerbell in this movie has been having trouble sort of like taking responsibility for things because initially she blames Blaze for losing the ship. Because she had left the ship because she thought she saw the stone arch, but it actually wasn't the stone arch. And she, like, blames him for losing it. But, like, one, he could not have physically stopped the ship from, like, getting, being lost. And also, like, she wasn't listening to him initially when he tried to warn her. So that's also another kind of thing Tinkerbell goes through in this movie is, like, trying, being able to stay back and being able to step back and being like, wait... Am I the asshole in this situation? <laughs> God, this movie does read like a big Am I the Asshole Reddit post <laughs> yeah. where it's like, Hey, fellas, it's me. How old is Terrence supposed to be again? I don't, I don't think we can really go M. down the rabbit hole as like how old these characters technically are. Fair, fair, fair. But like, so my friend... uh. 23F is working on a big project and I try to help her out so she asks me to find a sharp thing (laughs) and then she blows up at me after I bring it to her saying that I'm being too smothering well guys you really are you really are right this is this movie is just one long am I the asshole post and (laughs) yeah but Anyway, after this scene, she tries to go after the ship, but she ends up getting like knocked out by the wind. And we kind of ha- have her have her big breakdown where she like thinks back to her argument with Terrence and she's like, "Uh, I guess I was the asshole, wasn't I?" And she yep. apologizes to Blaze and Blaze get and she's run out of pixie dust at this point, so she can't even like fly anymore. But yeah, which I gotta say, I do really appreciate the, like, narrative uh, utility that Pixie Dust can kind of serve in a lot of these movies where, you know, um, because a problem that you often deal with in, like, stories with characters that can fly is some, you know, people like us being like, oh, well, why didn't they just fly away? And it's like, oh... Because Pixie Dust is a, you know, finite resource that it can be something that doesn't necessarily have to be a concern all the time in a story, but it can potentially 
become a inconvenience that the writer can take advantage of, which I always think is a nice thing to be able to include in these sort of stories. I don't know. Every time I think of when, like, people complain about flying characters or, like, super fast characters, like, not running all the time, I just think of that scene from B-Movie where uh, Barry B. Benson is talking to Vanessa the the florist, and she's like, well, if you can fly, why don't you just fly everywhere? And he's like, well, if you can run, why don't you just run everywhere? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know what? B-Movie was making some points. (laughs) God damn it. That movie does make you have to admit that, God, ugh, I hate that B-Movie makes me unironically say, you know, Jerry Seinfeld made a good point here. (laughs) He still hasn't told us what the deal about airplane food is, though. Nor has he told us about that time that he dated a 17-year-old. But anyway, Tinkerbell wakes up and is guided by a bunch of bugs. And, you know, it's pretty cute seeing even more strange bug creatures. I know that that's not your cup of tea, Emma, but... Soon, uh, Tinkerbell. Their faces. (laughs) Yeah, but Tinkerbell ends up finding a large, uh, that aforementioned stone archway. And, you know, so it seems like she's on the right track. But then, uh, soon she comes across. And can I just say, the backgrounds in these movies are still looking very good. Like, I'm very much enjoying, like, the cool autumn tones that you see with all the reds and, like, oranges. And then she comes to, like, the troll bridge with this, like, big rotten log that, like, twists and curls. I don't know. I just think that's real rad. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, also, in this, yeah. she actually, well, she had taken the compass with her on the journey that Terrence had gotten mm-hmm. for her. And it's only when, like, she sees the compass, like, uh, you know, broken on the ground, and she sees one of the arms sticking out. She's like, oh, wait, this was a sharp thing. And then it becomes the, the yeah. scene from the SpongeBob Christmas special where, like, Squidward is like, I feel like a, and, like, the, the jackass shows up. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. But, this is true. Yeah, so, and the next obstacle we come in is uh, her and Blaze make it to the troll bridge, and we get yeah. the trolls doing their uh, angry comedy routine at us. Yeah, so thankfully we don't have to worry about any uh boys holes with these two trolls yeah they did but in order to get on the troll bridge no boys souls or holes were having to be given in this in this movie yeah (laughs) so yeah i do i i do want to uh i do appreciate how uh rob paulson and jeff bennett do get to take a break from bobble and clank in order to voice these two trolls which yeah i don't know they have a very fun dynamic and like i in the in the middle of their little argument like one of the like i think the tall troll accidentally insults like the fat one and they end up like it's like a microcosm of the story hmm. yeah and then it's like and... they have a whole scene where they like apologize to each other and it's like see tinkerbell this is what you should have done stupid idiot fairy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
how dare you get angry at a dude after he violates your personal space? Yeah. With that, granted, without her communicating, but uh, yeah. You say it's all about communication. So. Yeah. So, because of that, they're able to sneak past, and yeah, it's fine. And then finally, uh, honestly, this section of the movie ends up moving by pretty quickly. Like the actual journey bit is just kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, this is honestly the the part of the movie that just kind of like drags a bit for me because, like, we finally get to the sunken pirate ship, and it's like sunken on land, like it's on a desert, like. The implication, like, this used yeah. to be the ocean, but now the ocean has recited and it's just sand. And it is a really cool yeah. like, setting, but this is... It is a really cool vista. Yeah, but this is, like, this is kind of the uh, movie where it's like, okay, we're almost to the climax of the movie. It just It's just kind of dragging at this point. She kind of just Scooby-Doo sneaks around where it's just a, a bunch of minutes of her and Blaze just, like, looking at the creepy pirate ship. Walking around more of the creepy pirate ship. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a scary shadow. Whoops, it, it's it's harm. That type of stuff where it's just like, all right, let's... Like, I know you got to fill out that, like, uh, that little time limit there, Disney, but, like, we can, we can speed this up. Although it's ironic because, like, there was, like, one scene that cuts away while Tinkerbell's on the journey to, like, the other fairies, right? Well, yeah, we do get that... We do get that scene. Oh, yeah, we do get a pretty important scene where uh, Terrence is asking about Tinkerbell because she's been gone and everyone else is like, oh, she's probably Mm -hmm. just like still working on the Moonstone. And Terrence gets a scene where he's like, he talks to this owl and the owl, you know, is an owl. So it's just saying like, like who? Like an owl? And the whole thing is like Terrence is like, you know what? Someone should just apologize. And the owl is like, who? And he and he's like, oh, I should be the one to apologize. Thank you, you wise creature. Yeah. And, and also a that, I think that was a good Yeah. And also Fairy Gary shows up. We never did talk about Fairy Gary. We never did talk about Bear Fairy Gary. Icon. So tell Fairy Gary. <laughs> He's like a Scotsman yeah. fairy with a kilt and a beard. Pretty much the only like fairy yeah. we actually see with facial hair in this these films. Yeah, so. yeah. Not even like the like adult men ministers, which it's one of those things where it's weird because like most of the fairies look like teenage age, but like some of these older fairies are like look more like middle age. It makes me wonder, just like yeah. But the yeah. thing is, you I don't, don't know. really Fairy see Gary. a lot of, like, older-looking fairies aside from, like, the authority figures. Which yeah. which implies that fairies do age, but it implies that a lot of them don't make it to old adulthood. Like, I think the, I think uh. the hawks pick off a lot of these fairies. <laughs> like, it doesn't... <laughs> Oh no! There seems to be there well, seems to be a lot of young people and like very few older people in this universe, which is which uh, definitely gives off some implications of, of yeah. the life expectancy of a pixie hollow fairy. Mm, hmm. <laughs> Although speaking of like one of the authority figures, we all I also forgot to mention this. Uh, the like uh, the autumn like minister fairy is voiced by John DiMaggio, which 
listener, you would not be able to tell, like, you can, like, if you listen closely, you can still kind of recognize the sort of Jake the Dog Bender type of voice he has, but he's, like, it's so strange to hear John DiMaggio here, like, actually speak in a non-gruff voice. Yeah, not be playing a tough guy, just being just sort of generic, like, posh authority figure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude's got range, so... There's that. But yeah, I appreciate... Oh, also, I one last note on Fairy Gary. I know we're jumping around a bunch, but, like, after Terrence leaves to talk to Mr. Owl, like, Fairy Gary flies up and so- says, like, sometimes people make fun of me kilt. And it's just like, ah. Uh, Fairy Gary, you should never which... be insecure about anything in your life. Me nah, man. Fairy Gary, you are our fairy bear king. Yeah like fairy berry you're (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ anyway so anyway terrence uh, uh, goes to tinkerbell's house and he and he finds like the remain some of the last shards of the moonstone and also like Mm -hmm. the the checklist that tinkerbell made schematics for the ship like go on quest come back from quest (laughs) so so that's how we know that Terrence knows Profit. what's going on. And uh Yeah, which is surprising that like more people didn't check on her. Yeah. Or like or like I mean, it's I'm glad that they let her I also forgot we also forgot to mention how like this movie is like the first time we see like Tinkerbell in her like teapot house, which I love Again, it's just another one of the production design things about this movie that I really love. Just how it's built out of this teapot and has this like ceiling fan. It's very comfy. I know. Just I just I just want I just want to live in a little teapot in the woods. That's all I'm asking. mm, That's the millennial dream. I just want to be one of those little cottage core like woodland mice that gets to live in a little teapot in the woods and like make little. Yeah. Little, little pies. It's all I want. <laughs> but I can't have it. <laughs> Tis a simple wish. Anyway, so Tinkerbell's exploring the ship, and eventually she finds all of this gold dust and doubloons and piratey treasure, and uh, amongst it is the chest containing the mirror. And so she starts to look into the mirror, gazing longingly in it to it as she starts to make her wish but then uh blaze starts to like start annoying her and it builds up more and more as like uh for making tinkerbell being like uh I wish you you would stop shining your light for like one second, or like I wish you would be quiet like... for one minute, and then like we yeah. get again another very stress-inducing scene where she like realizes like oh, I fucked this up again, you know, and it's like yeah, it's a very, it's a very you know kind of just sort of solemn moment because like it's Tinkerbell's finally realizing like oh. I really am my own worst enemy in these scenarios, you know? Yeah, and that's greatly demonstrated by the mirror, where she, like, she, like, starts to look at Blaze, but then she turns back to see her own reflection, and it's just like, oh, 
Dang it. Yeah. And so this is the part of the movie where we realize, like, oh, this plot about getting the MacGuffin has never really been about getting the MacGuffin this whole time. Because in the end, the MacGuffin ended up being, like, useless. So it's more, it yeah. was more about uh, the emotional journey because as Tinkerbell is having her breakdown, she talks about how much she just wishes that Terrence would be here so she could apologize. And guess what? Inexplicably, Terrence has made it all the way here. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, the. <laughs> so, Terrence in a. So, I, I do think it's a little like. Hmm, were they, uh, where Terrence, like, shows up in the mirror and she thinks that it's like, oh, is this magic? But Terrence is like, no, I just flew all night and then I found your your ship. And it's like, oh, that's real convenient. Wait, wait, we're getting into, we're getting into Cinnamon Sins territory. We got it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. But it is it is nice ha- because the two of them do get to like, uh, you know, they do get to make up yeah. just in time for a bunch of rats to rats, chase them. The rats, we're the, the rats. rats. We pray the rats. Stuck at night. We, we, we are the rats. Night. They're the rats. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. But we do not see any giant rats that make all the rules. Yeah, he might be out there, so. waiting in the shadows. That's true. That's oh true. God, Henry! I just had a, <laughs> I just had a revelation. Remember what? Barbie and the Nutcracker? Y- yeah. Tim Curry's the Mouse King from that character actually is a giant rat that makes all of the rules. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing it full circle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess all movies are the uh, same sure so this whole thing leads to like probably one of the weaker elements of this movie just like this very long kind of drawn out chase sequence oh they run away from this they run away from the rats yeah oh they slide down the table yeah they slide down the table on this plate very similar to uh, that one scene from Disney's Hunchback in Notre Dame where a Quasimodo and Esmeralda are like sliding down the the roof. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, this is definitely it's, a part of the movie where it's mm. like, okay, this whole chase sequence is unnecessary. They just wanted more like excitement at the climax. Yeah, I don't know. It's because we kind of get the real moment where everything comes together after they've escaped the rats and they're heading home, and it reveals that. Uh, Terrence has brought back the scepter and all the moonstone shards, which I think actually Tinkerbell had brought the moonstone shards with her. And yeah, well, she left a couple of pieces behind. Yeah. And they find like a diamond among the stuff that I think Terrence had brought. And they realize yeah, yeah. that like there actually is a way they can make this work. And so it kind of comes... Because the whole thing with the moonstone is that it acts like a prism to create it, where the line has to shine in a specific manner. But because they have this little diamond, they make this really nice design where it's like this sort of cluster of gems like being arranged in this nice way in order for the light to hit every single bit. Yeah. Which... 
And then yeah. we kind of re- realize that, like, oh, if Tinkerbell had just been, like, able to apologize to Terrence and told him about the situation that was going on, they could have avoided this whole quest altogether. So. Yeah. It's. This is so true. So it's like friendship really does solve all, doesn't it? Yeah. Then again, they probably, they wouldn't have been able to find the diamond if she didn't. That Anyway, that's Cinnamon Sins territory. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, as a result, uh, Terrence and Tinkerbell fly down to the, uh, to the ceremony. And Just in the nick of time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just as people are starting to freak out about uh, Tinkerbell not being there and being unsure if the ceremony's gonna go okay. And, yeah, uh, sure enough, the, uh, the special scepter works all right, and blue pixie dust for everybody. Yeah, they created so much blue yeah. crystal pixie dust, and everyone is happy. Yeah, uh, but aside from that, yeah, that is about the movie. Um, yeah. 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 I don't know. Did we leave any... Is there anything else that we might have left out? Mm, not really. I think that's just sort of the thing with this so. movie. Like, it is still like a good movie. Like, there's nothing that like yeah really that that bad with it. But I think compared to like the other Tinkerbell films, the it's just first one. Yeah, it's just not quite as fun. You know, it's a bit yeah, more exactly basic. Maybe a bit more like kitty-ish. I think like. I don't know. It's yeah, just, definitely. Like I said, still great music, great like production values, just really beautiful. It's like these movies are just really pretty in general. Oh yeah. And they just they just like Yeah. I'm surprised like these movies haven't gotten like a renaissance recently because they really do fit into that like kind of cottage core, like woodsy nature fae aesthetic that people seem to be loving these days. So yeah, that's true. But I mean, you say that, but there have been like there has been at least a little bit. I know that like you can like check on YouTube and you'll find plenty of people like talking about oh like condescendingly, I might say, about how like it turns out the Tinkerbell movies are actually really good. Like it's, it's some like type we've of a known, shock and it's like we've known I've known since yeah, I was a child. As one step ahead. Yeah, of I've known that these things are good. It's not it's not that surprising. Yeah. You know, they have good they have good artists, they have good animators on it. It's like yeah. I don't know. It's almost as if if you don't like condescend towards a specific series because of its main target demographic, you end up exposing yourself to a lot more interesting movies. Hmm. Mm. Funny how that works out. Anywho, that's about it. What rating do you give this movie, Emma? Uh, I give this movie uh, uh, three fairy guillotines out of five. Uh, <laughs> oh my three God. tiny fairy guillotines. I, I, I give this movie a Terrence out of ten. Because, like Terrence, it's... 
he's not a bad guy. He's got some problems that I think don't get addressed as much as they should. And, you know, after this, I feel like this, it just becomes a bit forgettable after this movie comes out. Yeah, I, I'm definitely am way yeah. more excited to uh, revisit the next movie in this franchise, which gives us uh, yes, the Great Fairy which gives Rescue. Us, uh, Michael Sheen like... being angry and uh, Vidya Sundare uh, redemption arc. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It'll yeah, be I'll time. be very excited to see what sort of stuff pops up with that. Yeah, uh, but I guess then. Yeah, um, I don't think there's really much else to add from there. So, fairies, yeah, man, cool. they uh, they do be uh, snorting that blue pixie dust. Okay. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Pink Owl, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our little excursion into Pink Sea Hollow. So, if you enjoyed the stuff we done do here. There are a couple of things you could do. Like, Emma, you got yourself a Twitter. Yeah, it's at EmmaCorey9. You can follow me if you want. There's no pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's good stuff. Then, uh, if you enjoyed this, if you want to get more updates about when we upload and stuff like that, follow our Twitter. We post... Lots of stuff there at the moment at Pink Owl Pod. You can also uh, find me, listener, on all sorts of places on the internet. You can find me at Twitter at Kathman Henry. You can find my Tumblr portfolio, uh, henrykathman.tumblr.com, and uh, my YouTube, which is just Henry Kathman. Uh, aside from that, yeah, if you enjoy even more and you want to give us even more support uh consider maybe chucking a dollar to the patreon help us pay the bills yeah but i guess then emma with all that said i think we must make like fairy gary and fly off into the night our kilts in the wind, our beards bristling in the breeze, and our king energy exhuming for all to see. This is the only way one can truly live life happily. Yes, we should all follow the ways of fairy gay. Goodbye! <laughs>